This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by Audible.com. Go and check out a free trial of Audible Plus, where you can listen to your favorite audiobooks, including audiobooks from today's guest, author Roger Lay. Take a trip in your browser to nerdcognito.com, click on Support Our Show, and find the offer for audible.com on that page. We appreciate it, and we know that you will love the content of Audible Plus. I, uh, I share this this link with my girlfriend. I'm like, eh, maybe she'll, I'll get her to share it or post it or whatever. Yeah. And of course, the first message I get back, take a guess with the first messages I get back after, after a while. I'm assuming after she listened to it. Yes. We're pigs? Brandy Braids. Real nice, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I, in my head, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> oh my god I'm dying yeah. that's great well you know that's when my you to put her hair in pigtails when she comes over that's right be like hey just remember that a slutty 7 is better than a prude 10 <laughs> oh, shit Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Nerd Cognito. I am the slightly recovered Ryan David, and I'm joined by Just Mike. What's up? Uh, just Mike got in a little bit of a trouble. <laughs> uh, my first thing I say before we go on the air, hey Mike, am I allowed to talk about this? <laughs> He's like, jump oh, right in, do whatever you want. So I say, okay. Uh, well, you, you, you tell the story. Uh, that way, I know what level of 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 public we're gonna go with it <laughs> i don't care it's not much of a story it's not really I, much of a story I, I find it amusing and i find it ironic that this particular story was the one that was focused on but yeah so i share the link to the podcast with my girlfriend because i figured hey she can share it with her friends or whatever shared on her social media get get the word out there and I don't know how long after I sent it to her. It wasn't that, that much. It feels like it wasn't that much longer. But then she sends me a message. And the message says, Brandy Braids, dot, dot, dot. Real nice, Mike. Yeah. And well, she is. <laughs> she is real nice, Mike. But I remember when I was sending it to her, the first thing that came in my head is, oh, she's going to say something about our discussion of Brandy Braids. and. As expected, there it is. Well, there it is. So, so, yeah. So, good times. I'm sure my next conversation with her, I'll have to be like, no, it's, I don't really like her. It's just a porn star, honey. She is a hot porn star, Mike. I mean. <laughs> I don't even know if you can classify her as a porn star, right? I mean, she's just uh, a girl out there uh, taking advantage the of the system. On camera for money. That's a porn star. Okay. What would you? I guess. Uh, yeah. I get uh, amateur. Amateur porn star. 
a semi-pro porn star. <laughs> I don't know. Right, she's semi-pro. Semi-pro. Um, it's only a matter of time until she gets signed by one of the major studios major and becomes yeah. becomes the full-on porn star. I, I still, you know, her boyfriend is our age or older. I, I, I That blows me away. And she blows him away as well. No comment. <laughs> uh, Mike's no. girl, we're sorry. We're sorry. We're pigs. We're guys. We we think that Brandy is is dreamy in a porn star sort of way. Uh, tonight on the show, we're going to talk about Midnight Mass. We actually have an interview with distinguished gentleman and author Roger Lay. I'll bet you he's going to be thrilled that our show open was Brandy Braids. Yeah. Um, but segue. Roger is a very accomplished author. Uh, he's taking time out of his busy schedule to meet up with us from across the pond at his home in England. And we're going to talk to him about his new series, and his creative process. Uh, amazing sci-fi author and a really interesting dude. Uh, we also have the news and uh, some other stuff that's just sort of popped up. But I do want to start with something that we have been, I don't want to say railing against, but it is something that we talked about specifically last week and a couple of weeks ago. And at least three out of the last six episodes. And that was, uh, I don't know how to call this, woke culture in Dungeons & Dragons, Mike. Did you see the announcement from Wizards of the Coast? Oh, no, I have not. Oh, no, I have not. Well, Wizards of the Coast has released a really cool new Strixhaven um, source book. So it is a Magic the Gathering crossover inspired source book, which I was like, hey, good. You know, they've had these two IPs. We've had some minor crossover. Now we're going to have some major crossover. That's just a win for them. Their Magic brand people and their D&D brand people are going to get together and have smelly, fat, sweaty nerd babies. And what's, what's the book, Rog? I, I have seen one that was um, like when they, they showed like the different guilds. Uh, this is Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos, I believe. Because okay. I'm a magic fan as well. I, I know. You played magic far more extensively than I did. I still would. I still would. If I, did. I have never really played magic outside of like a starter deck because it just wasn't the game for me. Back in that day... I played the Star Trek and the Star Wars CCGs. I still have all my cards. I, I do still have all of my cards. Um, but I digress. Dungeons & Dragons publisher Wizards of the Coast had their nutsacks shrivel and crawl back up inside of their body cavity when the woke mob attacked them for omitting the credits as in a writing credit for their cultural consultant. What? 
Yes, they have a cultural consultant for fictional cultures. Uh, let's see, in the tweet that came from the official Dungeons & Dragons Twitter, they apologized to Tanya DePass, who is the creative director of the Motherlands RPG. We know that. DePass was apparently given a private apology by Wizards, and they amended the digital source books, but... Well, I mean, I guess if uh, she contributed to the um, the setting or whatever they're putting in the book, then she probably deserves some recognition, I guess, right? The credit that was missing was cultural and sensitivity consultant. Like, all right, so let me just think about this. So, like, I'm, I'm a company, and I have various different departments, and... I have a specific department that is around cultural sensitivity just in the workplace. Nothing to do with the products I'm making, like the book or anything like that, and that's what they're pushing? Like, hey, you need to push that that person gets credit in the book? Uh, they were called out by a blog called POC Gamer, People of Color Gamer, uh, and, and claimed that the one-shot adventure had been edited in a way that the Yonti, you know the Yonti, those are the lizard people, yeah, yeah. We're reduced down to just being evil for evil's sake. That's a quote. Uh, um, now we this is this almost perfectly uh, fit into our conversation a week or two ago. While colonialist language and imagery was used to describe the Gripply species. Well, yeah, this is the, uh, like you said, these are the pros and cons. This is a con of, you know, accepting a bunch of people into the... Uh... And I, I get what you're saying. If you have this position on staff, first of all, it's not a writing credit. Second of all, if you do put it in a writing credit, you don't announce it. You put it in as legal. And then, ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum These are the people on our legal team. Yeah, but I'm even. I, I wasn't. I was saying if the person contributed to like the actual product, okay, maybe they get a credit for it. I get that. But if it's like, like I work for a pharmaceutical company, and yeah, we have a, a department that is, you know, make sure that the cultural diversity or whatever else within the workforce. And if we had to publish like credits for whatever our products were, like that person doesn't need to be on there. Neither does the auditors or the finance department or anyone else. Right. Like, the, they didn't make it. You're a controller for your company. If yeah. they released some sort of product that was a creative product, I shouldn't be on there. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a little ridiculous. Well, uh, thank you for validating that I'm not just a horrible, hateful, bigot, misogynist, homophobe, insert your ist du jour here. Uh, you're it's, saying it, that they caved and they actually... Uh, they republished it with. They republished the digital versions, and future runs will will cover their cultural sensitivity credit. Okay. Huh? Uh, makes me uh, not want to run fifth edition when we yeah. start up in a couple yeah. weeks. Makes me want to run something else. No, 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 no. I vote with my wallet. Oh. Talk about wallet. I'm just. We talked about HeroQuest, and of course, they already have two 
HeroQuest expansions. Which I hope public. you ordered using the NerdCognito link. I have you know about that NerdCognito link, don't you, Mike? No, why don't you tell me about it? Well, that NerdCognito link is, is a way for all of our listeners to support the show without spending an extra red penny. You can go to NerdCognito.com, click on the Support Our Show page, and just click the Amazon link right on that page and we'll get a slice of anything they buy and it doesn't cost them a single penny more than they were already going to spend so it's an awesome way to support the show without digging into the pockets because we know it's holiday time we know that that times can be tough right now and we also know that we have hosting bills to pay and equipment to pay off and that sort of thing um excellent way to do it so Mike, you should encourage your girlfriend when she's done braiding her hair in pigtails and getting up off of her knees to go to our link and order you those two supplements. Oh, man. I really wish she met you because she's going to hate you. She's not going to know you, and she's going to hate you. She's going to be like, are you doing that podcast with that guy again? Ugh. Oh, come That's on. That's the voice, dude. That's the voice that she's going to make. Just tell her my wife is the one that made her that lovely Santa stocking. <laughs> That's right. That's fucking right. I wonder where that is. I probably have it here at my house somewhere. You know what? When she comes down, and if it's prior to you moving, which it probably won't be, we should all go out to dinner. And she'll see that that I am only... A nine on the asshole scale, but Not for the air, I turn it up to ten. Yeah. They want 32 bucks for these expansions, man. They've really come a long way. I, these things had to be like, I don't even know. How much would they have been back in the oh, day? Oh, I think that's about what they were back in the day. Yeah, I'm look, I don't know, dude. Cause that's that's not bad. I, I expected the expansions to be fifty bucks when you said that. Yeah, but look, like if you look at what comes in these expansions, like this isn't your um, like today's board game expansions. This is back then, like the first you know dungeon crawling board game expansions. It comes with a couple extra minis and like a little pamphlet with a couple of cards. Right, pamphlet, some cards, maybe one of those uh, cardboard door frames. Yeah, it's not much. Um, but I think these are the two. I feel like there was one that was an ice one, though. Um, there was. There was an ice one. But I feel like the, there was only two expansions back and in the I, day. And I distinctly remember playing the ice one because it had ice tiles that yeah. went onto the board. Yeah, neither of these are ice. I'm pretty sure we had all of them, though, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh-uh-uh. Well, you know... 60 bucks in a blowjob is hardly a price to pay for love. So, oh, she's going to hate me. Oh, dude, they have uh, several uh, Dungeons & Dragons uh, box sets out. Just different ones. They do. If you are a follower of Nerd Cognito on Facebook... We shared with you, and we're not really into like the deal hunting thing... But we shared an incredible deal this week. The Dungeons & Dragons Starters Kit, which was, you know, normally $20, $25. Um, $6. 6 bucks, And we shared that out. I know I got uh, 
two emails, which isn't a great amount, but it's two emails saying, hey, thanks for the heads up. These are great stocking stuffers for some of our friends that are on the fringe that would like to, you know, introduce the game to, but I don't want to spend 50 bucks on a PHB for them. Yeah, and it was, it was a great deal. So make sure you follow Nerd Cognito on your social media platforms because... Like I said, we're not deal hunters, but when we do find something crazy like that, we're going to pass it along to you. Yeah, and I would definitely say that's a how you framed it is exactly right. Like for people who just want to get into it, there's a lot of material in there. I think it's it comes with pre-made characters, um, a pretty set of expensive dice. adventure dice. Yeah, it's, six it's, bucks for a set of dice. You, you you're getting the you're paying for the dice and you're getting the content for free and in print, not in digital format. Yeah, very good deal. Speaking of of passing things along, we're better late than never, but we finally got Mike to watch what I thought was a great extension of I guess you would call it an anthology series. Is that is that what you would call that sort of genre, the American horror story style thing? Well, I don't I don't know. Is that what it was? I thought it was just a standalone. Um... Well, it, it, they all sort of stand alone, but it is generally a, a, a sort of fluid cast. We're talking about Midnight Mass on Netflix, um, the spiritual successor to uh, the Haunting of Hill House and the Haunting of Bly Manor which I thought the latter of which was better. I didn't realize uh, that. Okay, I didn't know they were all, like, connected. Um, yeah, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop on the connection. But again, you know, I was a big American Horror Story fan. Still am a big American Horror Story fan. And the connections didn't become visible or talked about until, like, six or seven seasons in. So, so are they... Uh, I only saw the uh, Haunted on Hill House. I didn't see the second one that you mentioned. The Haunting of Bly um, Manor. Yeah, Excel see excellent. So do they share actors and actresses and stuff? Like they like do. American Horror Story? Oh, they do. I don't remember do. any of those people from uh, uh, Midnight Mass being in The Haunting of Hill, whatever it is, Hill yeah. House. In fact, um, the sheriff from, and we're going to talk about um, Midnight Mass in detail and give our thoughts on it, but the sheriff from Midnight Mass who... I thought was an incredibly strong character, um, was a major character on The Haunting of Bly Manor, and okay. I thought he was the standout actor of the group for Bly Manor. And I, I really liked Bly Manor, and I know Bly Manor gets shit on a lot, but um, I thought Bly Manor was far superior to Hill House. Well, uh, feel free to shit on me for that at uh, the Nerd Cognito e inbox, uh, nerdcognitopodcast at gmail.com. Is that still on Netflix, the second I, one? Black I would one? absolutely assume so. It's it's a Netflix show, so I can't okay. I can't see it being anywhere but. I'll have to look at that, because I saw the Hill House and I just saw the Midnight Mass. And I don't think there was anyone from the Hill House, uh, the first one, in this one. Or if they were, I just didn't recognize it. The pregnant girl that was the main girl was, yeah. was in Hill House and Bly Manor. Huh. Okay. No, no, yeah, I didn't, I had no idea it was a part of this anthology. I thought it was just a separate show. Kate Siegel is the person's yep. name that you're talking about. That is who I'm talking about. Yeah. I guess they considered it a miniseries, huh. interestingly enough. 
Haunting of Hill House. Now, she was in Hill House. She was in Bly Manor. She uh, Was she like one of the... I, man, I, I don't remember. I guess so was she, the dude. Okay, a bunch of these people were. Yes, I just don't it, remember. it is an anthology series with generally... And of course, there's Flux, but generally the same actors, same producers, same writers. Huh. So it this is the, the Netflix answer to American Horror Story. And you know me, horror is my genre de, of choice. Um, followed closely by science fiction. But... Um, no, I think that they're doing an adequate job because horror often has to sort of straddle the line between hokey and believable and Midnight Mass was was pretty good at straddling that line. Whether I liked it better than Bly Manor or not, I think that they each have their own merits, but I think that they were both stronger than... Um, Hill House. Hmm. I'll have to look at that. When you and I talked about it earlier this week, you said that the actor that you were really impressed with was... The priest? I thought he was... Yes. I thought he was a really good priest. I absolutely agree with you there. Um, I thought... And in fact, it was... When we were watching it, some of the scenes and some of the sort of soliloquies that he just went through were so like rapid fire and emotional all at the same time. I, I looked at my wife and I said, my God, he's got to be exhausted after they shot this. Yeah, that's exactly right. When he's giving like just the sermons, it would go on for like five minutes straight of just emotion and everything. Yeah. I thought he was amazing. I thought he was an exceptional actor with an exceptional performance. No, but Rahu Cooley, I couldn't, his name was on the tip of my tongue. That's the sheriff, yeah. and he was the cook in Bly Manor. And I thought, um, also, a very standout performance. Um, but I do have to agree with you. Um, the the performance of of the series had to go to the priest, and I think that's uh, Hamish... Well, yeah, I mean, he played, yeah, he played, you know, a huge part in that. So, of course, that's how it's going to turn out. But I thought he did really good. I even thought, you know, the um, the nun, even though I hated her as a character, I thought she played the character really well. The pseudo nun. Yeah, she wasn't yeah. real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much do we want to talk about this though? I feel like uh, spoiler alert. Who cares, right? Uh, spoiler alert. Who cares? It's yeah. It's almost. Uh, when did it release? I want to say late summer. Um, uh, September, September twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. We yeah, are so well past. Okay. You know, and in let's be honest, in today's world, you've got a twenty four hour spoiler window. Yeah, yeah. So the, here's one part that I really did not fully understand. Shoot. And, uh, okay, so at the beginning, he was able to. Be in the light, no problem. Yes. And then the nun was apparently poisoning him in the food, and then he like he died, and then he came back to life, and then at that point he was no longer able to be in the light. So it was almost like he had to die again in order for that to take effect. You had the same question that my wife had. He had never died yet. He was being fed by the vampire angel. And even in the cave in Jerusalem, 
he had not yet officially died. Once he died and rose as undead, he was sensitive to the light. So up until that point when he died in the show, he was still a living, breathing human being. So the vampire didn't kill him in the cave. The vampire just, just nursed her. him in the cave. Oh, but I, it's, okay. Oh, just maybe to keep the vamp alive for a while. But it's, see, I remember him feeding him the blood. And I'm like, oh, it must be to bring him back to life. He he did not die. Uh, and you, you'll remember distinctly that, that he was actively feeding in the cave on the vampire. Uh, so that, that nun screwed it up, man. She poisoned him and fucked everything up. Or as sort of the evil MacGuffin that was necessary to move the story along. Well... Yeah, obviously it wouldn't have turned out to... He would have been just the cool-ass priest who now, was able to heal people. He was able to heal people before that, though, right? Like, he, uh, the... Everyone he was, was getting healed from the blood, or no? Everybody was getting healed from the blood. Yeah, so he didn't even need to die. Yeah, she but screwed you, it up. You don't turn until you die. Man, she fucked that up. So here, here's my question for you. It was a relatively short season. It was seven episodes. Did you want more or less, or was it just right? Um, I, it felt pretty good. It felt pretty good. I didn't, like, I haven't, I didn't get into a situation where I binge-watched four or five episodes or whatever it was. I'd watch one or two episodes at a time, and then I might not watch it, an episode for a while, then I'll go back and watch it. I've just been slow with it. And it seemed like the right amount. It I seemed agree. Fun. I agree. I looked at it at first, and I said, seven episodes? Oh, geez, what the hell are we watching? A British period drama here because you know british period dramas are always six episodes per season um but seven episodes i i originally went into it and i said ah well good bad or whatever i can finish seven episodes and it seemed to be the right amount well, what about the previous shows were they i didn't want more or less uh hill house they were longer right they, they were felt longer, longer. It, i only watched it, the one but it was longer and I think it was over, over drawn out. Yeah. Uh, Bly Manor. I wanted more. I, I did. I wanted more, and there was a lot more that they could have explored in it. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a revisit to it because there were two or three plot hooks in Bly Manor that could easily spin off into another series. This one, this one this feels kind of done. I mean, you can't really go too much there, from here, I guess. There's no coming back from this one. The in, I know we talked about spoiler alerts. I'm not going to blow the end of the show in case anyone hasn't seen it. But there is no coming back from the end of the show for this one. Yeah. That, that fucking vamp, though, he really loved blood. He was like, I don't care. Cut my wings, bitch. I don't care. This is so amazing. <laughs> now, now here, here's the next question. Did that vampire survive? Well, that's the only thing that the, you, I guess you can go two ways. You could say, did he make it across? Or, you know, or you have those, you know, the kids. Well, I'm talking about the resolution of the setting in general. It's done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unless um, those kids, those kids, you know, are somehow... Um, impacted by drinking the blood and they just don't realize it if you don't know what the fuck we're talking about uh that's because you haven't seen midnight mass on netflix definitely go and check it out i'll put a link to the series in the show notes um it is uh an anthology show 
that is uh, the Mike Flanagan anthology. I mean, they need a better name. They all have these independent titles, which is great, but it kind of sucks because, you know, AHS has AHS. I don't know what to call this. But I I really enjoy Like, this thing, you know, you have a, a priest who was really, it seemed, devout, whatever, and he's also a fucking vampire, and he has to kind of, I don't know. I thought it was really, really good. He played he played an amazing part. I thought it was exceptional. I thought that there weren't a lot of tells on the origin of the priest until they wanted you to know, which was yeah. great from a writing standpoint. I agree. No real hot chicks. No. No real but, hot yeah, chicks. They, they weren't going in that direction, which is totally fine. I mean, nothing against Kate Siegel. Yeah, but she wasn't playing her hottest, right? She was playing one of those little island fisherwoman, you know, whatever. Right, because it's on a fictional island in New England. Yeah. Always I wearing think... uh, rain boots and uh, a muumuu. Right, and the hottest chick on the show, they did her makeup to be the old woman. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, interesting. But nonetheless, definitely a a quality show. What did you think of the fact that they addressed political shit without shoving it down your throat in Midnight Mass. Uh, give me... Refresh they me addressed uh, bias for Muslim citizens. Uh. They addressed bias for uh, folks that have some sort of addiction. They addressed religious bias. Yeah, and but it wasn't in your. Did you watch Lovecraft Country? Well, I was just gonna say it wasn't in your face because I mean, even though I r- realized it, like again, you know, it wasn't the, off-putting. The, not at all. No, it was. It was, it, it was no. It wasn't like they were trying to make a point at all to say, that's, you know. That's why this I asked if you watched Lovecraft Country because what did I walk away from that with? Ass rape and kill Whitey. <laughs> Sounds like an amazing combination. And gee, it didn't get renewed. <laughs> um, no, I mean, and there are some excellent, excellent, excellent actors, and they had the potential to make Lovecraft Country something great. But um, yeah, all I got out of Lovecraft Country was kill Whitey and ass rape. Hmm. I'm taking it you did not watch. I am not going to write that one down as one of the shows to watch next. No, no. It, it, I suffered through probably five or six episodes just telling myself it was going to be- get better. It's going to get better. And it never, and never got better. Because you say the word Lovecraft, and I know it's that, that's that whole, uh, what's the board game that you guys love? That we play quite a bit. Well, anything really Cthulhu is Cthulhu. is amazing. Well, that's um, what I'm saying. Is that was that supposed to be connected to that show? Is that why you were watching it? Well, uh, uh, that's what originally pulled me in was that it was loosely tied. There's a book out, Lovecraft Country, that was loosely tied to the Cthulhu mythos. And was it probably a marketing reason? Yes. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely was one of the main reasons that I was originally going to watch the show. And um, 
unfortunately, things just uh, kept going downhill and going down. I mean, Michael Kenneth Williams is in it. You know Michael Kenneth Williams. If I were to put a picture of Michael Kenneth Williams on the on the screen, you're going to say, amazing actor. In fact, I'll throw one in the chat so you can see it right I, I know who he is. Omar from The Wire. Yes. Yes. He's no longer. He's no longer with us, right? He's, he's, no, no, he's no. Dead. He uh, he died he, this year. He, yeah, he was. I forget what it was. I know that there was a relapse involved, but uh, he's worm food again. Uh, it says September six, twenty twenty one. Man, it feels like so much longer. No, he just died recently. Yeah. yeah. Michael K. Williams, the perpetrator of a lot of the ass rape. Uh, well, I mean, he, he was in the wire. Um, he wasn't, was he in, um, what was that jail show? Um, Oz? Yeah, Oz. And then it just came out, like, then it just turned so gay. He wasn't in that, was he? I don't think so. I, I do not remember, and I loved Oz. Yeah, I don't you, think I mean, was. you want to talk about, I can stomach some ass rape. I loved Oz. Yeah. It's, I this... hated Lovecraft Country. It was just a totally different type of angry ass rape. I think it's because, well, I don't know what Lovecraft Country is about, but like if you're watching a jail show, you just expect it to happen. So you're like, you can accept it. Like American Me. Ugh, I don't know if you ever watched that show, that movie. That's an old, old school uh, jail movie. And they end up taking this crazy ass knife, and that's how they end up killing a dude. They bend him over and shove it up his ass. Ugh. Ooh. What yeah. a way to go. Yeah. I uh, had a character that was played by a PC that I really didn't like. As a human being, I really just hated this guy. Ben, I'm glad that you're divorced. I'm glad that you don't see your kids anymore. Um, but I ended up killing his character with a spiked club up the anal cavity. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <sighs> uh, well, but uh, Ben, when I got divorced, I banged your ex-wife. Oh boy. Anyway, fuck you, Ben. <clears throat> oh, poor Ben. We tried the Nevers. Did you watch the Nevers? No. That was a hybrid BBC slash HBO production. 10 minutes, 10 minutes. I looked across the room and said, I'll turn this off when you're ready. <laughs> 10 fucking minutes. And I like the actors and actresses that were in it. It was just not, I did the same thing to uh, totally unrelated, but this, they have a, a show Kevin Hart plays in about, I don't even know what it's about. Honestly, again, I watched the first like 10 minutes and I'm like, you know what? I can tell this is going to be corny. So I shut it off. But then, like, my brother, so our, my, or my, both of my brothers, like, oh, this is really good. And I'm like, ah, I don't think it was that good. Yeah. Uh, corny and overproduced yeah. is, is what we were looking at. And uh, I said, okay, all right, all right. We'll give it another five minutes. Maybe they're just, you know, starting off big, right? Or what they think in their minds. No, it didn't get any better. It was, it was bad. I'm starting to have my voice from last week make another appearance. This is not good. Well, get some tea and rest up, man. Well, let's take a look at the news, why don't we? 
gonna feed you an article here, and I'll let you I'll let you read it for us, since I need to get some water. This is probably my biggest chuckle of the week because it's so fucking true. Let me throw the link into chat for you. If cats were people, they'd probably be psychopaths, scientists say. Okay. I mean, I think most people feel that if you died next to a cat, even if it was your cat, that they would immediately eat your eyes and eat your body eventually. I don't know. My dog would do that. I don't think your dog would do that. I think your dog would just lay there sad as fuck. Until he gets hungry. I don't know. I don't think they would. I don't think there's any uh, stories out there of a dog eating their owner. But I feel like there's probably some cat stories out there. Cats are people too. This is according to the New York Post. A study has found that the average cantankerous kitty could be harboring psychopathic tendencies. Researchers at the University of Liverpool and Liverpool John Moores University jointly surveyed pet owners to rate their cat's level of psychopathy as defined by the human psychological standards. Based on a pretty broad sample, uh, it had 549 participants that were mirroring the population of the world. Cat owners were asked to rate their cats, right, for torments their prey rather than killing it straight away, uh, dominating other neighborhood pets, um, is undeterred by a punishment and will repeat behaviors that they are scolded for, yowling or meowing for no apparent reason. Your cat. <laughs> no, but it meows because it wants to be pet. Well, what has turned out is that... Um, it is likely, the results of the, the study, it is likely that all cats have psychopathic tendencies and a majority of cats, if diagnosed according to human criteria, would fall into the psychopathic spectrum. So, uh, yeah, my two cats are definitely two very distinct cats but they're both fucking nuts in their own sort of way. Yeah, I was never a cat person. I mean, I had a cat once, and my cat was a fucking psycho. And it, I had, I, uh, so I got this cat when I was in, I was in college, and I, I was flirting with this girl who her cat had babies or some shit. I don't know. I took a, a baby cat from her for Pussy no other reason. Pussy. Right, no other reason. And I lived in, um, Oh, man, I don't even know what you would call it. Uh, it was basically an apartment, but it was just my bedroom, a super small kitchen, a super small bathroom. That was it. A studio. A studio. Man, I, had, it, I yeah. had one of those when I lived downtown. Yeah, as soon as you walked in, it was right into the bedroom, kitchen, bathroom, super small. And that's where I had the cat, and I'd go to school for you know the day, and then the cat would be in that little place by herself. And I don't know, man. She just got went crazy. Like She'd love to fight. She would. She knew how to open doors. Like super smart, but man, what a, what a crazy cat! And then eventually, I dumped it on my parents, and my parents <laughs> loved it. They loved it, even though it was a crazy cat. They loved it. 
still alive or no 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 no, no? that cat's gone my my uh, my parents had another cat that one's gone yeah no more cats in my family just uh my brother well you know what my younger brother has a bunch of animals he has a uh, dogs and cats he potentially he's up there to like seven of them now in total i but. am horribly horribly allergic to cats and uh didn't have one until the wife and i became serious and they came as a package deal, her and Pudgy, and Pudgy's not with us anymore. But we did uh, did pick up two more along the way. So we will probably have cats forever and ever and ever. Yeah, I'm allergic to cats and dogs as well, and I still like having a dog. Are you a big anime fan, Mike? Uh, no, I really don't watch cartoons and stuff. But uh... I fell out of anime probably around age 22. But I know a lot of people were excited for the Netflix adaptation of Cowboy Bebop, which just launched. I saw that. I saw that up there. Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. I was like, what is this? Canceled. Oh, is it already off the, show, off the air? Uh, I'm assuming that the first season will be up because Netflix spent a crap ton of money on it, but they've already canceled it oh wow it literally just popped up on my thing not that long ago so i it has to be pretty new i thought i believe it launched within the last two or three weeks yes oh wow and already uh, canceled great numbers why'd they cancel Al it? already canceled it so um it's entering interesting netflix has shockingly canceled their live action cowboy bebop series after a single season and the writers are now speaking out, saying that the fans are missing out. The reason for the cancellation? All speculation. So, something shitty happened behind the scenes, is what this tells me. Yeah. That has to be the only answer. If it has good numbers, it just came out, and it's getting canceled immediately, that something, something happened. You know, you know our, our dear friend Timmy, that used to game with us. Mm -hmm. Well, your dear friend, Timmy, has since parted company with me because ironically i uh made a comment about his cat and uh he couldn't handle what you being serious i'm being 100 percent serious tim's a little bit of a drama queen we know this he often vague books or looks for sympathy and i usually call him on his bullshit with some sort of snarky remark not out of character for me would you agree with that michael no, not a character at all. And I've seen you uh, like respond to some of his posts not that long yep. ago. So this must be uh, pretty new that he's disowned Within you. the week. Within yeah. the week. Um, anyway, it was, oh, I'm suicidal. Oh, it, normal, normal Tim stuff. Oh, I hate life. Oh, I can't afford food. Well, this time it was, oh, my cat's so skinny. And I'm worried that she's dying, and I've had suicide attempts, and I can't pay the bills, and I'm so lonely. My comment was simply, glass half full perspective, one less mouth to feed. That's oh, all I said. <laughs> God, that's awful, Ryan. Number <laughs> one, I mean, I love to joke around, but you never know. Maybe the dude is really having some issues here, and you're like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> the dude who's known us for 20 years. The boy who cried wolf is what you're saying. Well, not even the boy who cried wolf. Even if all of that is legitimate. Why a Facebook? I don't know. Like, what, Someone that knows me 
Throw Facebook out of it. Throw Instagram out of it. As someone that knows me, they should know that that is my loving way of reaching out and making sure that they're okay. You're not buying that. They should at least understand that that's coming from me, and at least I'm interacting with them. Well, yeah. Obviously, I don't think you uh, meant anything. uh, I'm not wishing his cat to die. Right. You're not wishing his cat to die. You're not wishing him to die. You you're you own cats, you know? I mean, I get it. It's just <laughs> And then how do you know so he defriended you? Like does it like you know that for a fact? I do know that for a fact. That, do you get a notification or just like if you try to post or like you don't even see the post or something anymore? I uh, he did not block me. He defriended me. Um and I know he defriended me because he's still in the gaming group on Facebook. And it shows, you know, the whole list of members. Boom, 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 boom. Friend, 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 friend. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friend. I got so, it. I got um, it. No, he should I know that s- you're fucking joking. I mean, I sent, I sent him a message, and uh, as of this airing, it it fell on deaf ears. I, yeah. Oh, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the message that I sent him because I said. Uh, you just showed up in the people I may know, and you're no longer my friend. I guess you got sand in your clit about something I said and unfriended me. Either way, I guess I meant anyway. Anyway, I sent you a new friend invite for once you get your shower. So that oh, is That's that funny. is my message to him. That is some uh, tough love, ladies and gentlemen. Tough love. I love Timmy. I, I know. Well, that's uh, you know. I honestly, I don't think there's. That's fine. He should understand it's coming for you and not be offended or anything. But at the same time, when we're trying to put a whole group together to play D and D online, I think you should get a. You should be a little bit easier. You know what I mean? Maybe not so. Not so direct. I fully expected and still expect him to play. Well, I don't know. He defriended well, you. Maybe you can reach out on my behalf. And say what? Oh, what? Oh, come nice. on. You know Ryan's an asshole. Yeah, but I don't, I don't even know that anything's going on. So that means we're talking about it, I guess. Yeah, uh, Ryan mentioned that he can't get a hold of you. <laughs> Dude, I haven't talked to that kid ever. <laughs> Did you see this picture I just sent you of uh, this chick with her cheekbones? No, put it in the chat. Or did you text it's, it to me? No, no, I put it in the chat, I thought. Did it not go through? I do not see a chick with cheekbones. Oh, I had to. Cl- I didn't click it. Oh, oh, what's this? This chick, man, she's like getting all this surgery to make her cheekbones fucking huge, and she, she so is going to be slobbing the black alien's knob. Oh boy, yeah, she that, does look like an alien. Like that, why would you do that? We were talking. There's, there's, there's the match. That's wow. not oh, yeah. But she's that, not doing that to look like an alien, though. She's not doing that to look like an alien. She's doing that because she just thinks high cheekbones, and that's what she's doing. Well, that's not a good look. No. That's awful. Not a good look at all. I'll uh, throw this on our imager and link it in the show notes as well. Cheekbone City. In fact, I'm going to throw it on imager now, otherwise I'll forget. Model with the largest cheekbones, Yeah. I'm sure they are the largest. No one's going to go that route. She's an Instagram model, though. So, Well, there you go. I mean, that makes all the difference in the world then, doesn't it? Oh, my God. It's awful. How can you look at yourself? 
Did you know that we had a nerd, nerd cognito imager? What do you think? No, of course not. <laughs> I, I uh, thought that this was a good idea for things like this, for exactly moments like this when, you know, people want to see what we're talking about. And I'm just going to call it Cheekbones Yo. <laughs> she got them high cheekbones. Uh, sad week for all of us old heads in gaming. Miyasaka Yamura passed away at age 78, which is a surprise because don't Japanese men live forever? Is that the Nintendo guy? That is the, the the lead architect for Famicom and Super Famicom. Yes, sir. Mm. That is pivotal in the foundation of my not only childhood, but life. President Yamuchi told me to make a video game system, one that could play games on cartridges, Yamura told. An interview published last year. He always liked to call me after he'd had a few drinks, so I didn't think much of it. I just said, sure thing, boss, and hung up. It wasn't until the next morning when he came up to me sober and said that thing we talked about, you're on it, and then it hit me. He was serious. And uh, that drunken 1981 phone call spawned the NES. Someone that most people in the gaming world probably don't think of. You know, you think of the directors and the writers and the the publishing companies but without without this this individual gaming world as we know it would not exist uh did you have anything pre-nes in your gaming repertoire as a child commodore 64 was probably the first thing that i had um yeah and my uncle just gave me a shit ton of floppy disk games half of them might work half of them didn't work but yeah commodore 64 before nes I had a, a Commodore as well. I had a TI-86, not the calculator, the computer, and um, the ColecoVision, of course. And then graduated. I had ColecoVision, too. I, yeah, I had ColecoVision. ColecoVision was actually pretty awesome. It's a yeah, cool ColecoVision game. was far superior to the Atari. I agree. Like, I don't know if you played, like, Ladybug, great game. Um, Heist great game smurf was my absolute Smurfs. favorite game yeah. on ColecoVision. yeah there, there was some really good games but yeah without uh without the nes and the boom that that created the gaming world that we know today definitely would not exist so in all seriousness since you didn't off yourself and complain about your dying cat uh masayuki yumera godspeed my friend rest in peace Hey, did you see what uh, Crazy Madonna was talking about? No, I haven't seen what she was talking about, but I did see that she posted some racy photos, and then there was some. She got some lashback. Well, like her nipple photo. came out right, and and it got censored on Instagram because nipples are illegal. I'm still waiting for that blowjob she promised everyone from the last election. But uh, Fifty Cent. Yeah, that's what I remember. Fifty Cent went at her. Called out Madonna on her shit. Uh, Fitty reposted one of the booby images saying, Yo, this is the funniest shit, LOL. That's Madonna under the bed trying to do like a virgin at 63. She shot out, if she don't get her old ass up, 
laugh my fucking ass off. Now, Fiddy's doing what Fiddy does. And Fiddy ain't exactly relevant anymore. I would dare say Madonna is probably still more relevant than Fiddy. Madonna um, responded, I guess your new career is getting attention while trying to humiliate others. The least elevated choice you can make as an artist or an adult. You're just jealous you won't look as good as me or have as much fun when you're my age. Now, usually, and I know this is going to come as a surprise, but usually I'm squarely in Fiddy's corner. Fiddy and I are simpatico. But uh, Fiddy apologized. Said, I'm sorry, I did not intend to hurt your feelings. I don't benefit from this in any way. I said what I thought when I saw the picture because of where I had seen it before. I hope you accept my apology. And then he deleted the tweet. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a known troller. He likes to get a reaction out of people. I mean, if Mad- I mean Madonna- Madonna's iconic, right? She could do whatever the fuck she wants. If she wants to still try to look sexy at her age, then she absolutely can she broke down all those barriers for for women and everything else so she did in fact i just bought like a virgin on vinyl this week yeah so if she wants to still post those she's the first person to do this shit in my mind well i'm sure there was others before her but whatever she's uh she's an icon for this stuff so i absolutely look, honestly she doesn't look bad for her age i know it's a lot she of doesn't look surgery, bad. But. i mean there's some granny granny banging if, yeah. if she would uh, waggle her finger at me. <laughs> waggle over here, Madonna. Mikey's busy. Brandy's got him occupied. But you can waggle my way, Queen of Pop. <laughs> Madonna probably shouldn't have even said anything. Like, that. That's that's the response. I get my share of hate mail, of hate comments, of hate tweets, of hate Instagrams. I, I, I know, it's a shock. People sometimes don't like the things that I say, Mike. You know what my response is? Don't listen to it. Fuck it. Yeah, if I'm not playing with them. And a lot of times I'm like my psychopathic cat, and I'll bat them around a little bit. But once they bore me, it's done. It's done. Oh, what a week of the news, Michael. I'll, I'll tell you what. Hey. Let's move on, and we have an amazing guest. I'm really proud. I've been I've been trying to uh, work with with this guest and getting him onto not only Nerd Cognito but our previous podcast at the old place for quite a while. And I actually just randomly sent a message on Facebook, and he was kind enough to to reply. And uh, it is author, science fiction author of the Harry Lampeters series, as well as a brand new series. We're going to talk about book one in the Chronoscape collection, aptly titled Chronoscape. Uh, Mikey, give a give a welcome to author Roger Lay to Nerd Cognito. Yes, welcome. I'm very excited to actually talk with someone other than Ryan, because he's pretty much only my human contact all week. So <laughs> it's very nice to have you, Roger. Uh, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's a great pleasure to be here. It's, uh, this is quite quite an exciting event for me, really. So, yeah. so Roger, um, sort of a, a little background, and we talked a bit about this off the air uh, before you came in, but um, from 
the former group that shall not be named. Um, I've sort of followed just your authorship, we could say. And uh, on a whim last week, I, I noticed that you had posted in our parent company's group, the infamous group. And I, I uh, said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to reach out and see if I can connect with Roger. I would be thrilled to just talk about his books, his series, and, and his writing. And, and here you are. <laughs> yeah, just like that. Yeah, and, and it still quite amazes me, you know, this, uh, the, the communication that we've got, you know, the, the fact that we can just talk, you know, transatlantic like, like this so easily. Um, it, it, it's it's a blessing because I know 25, gosh, I don't want to date myself, but several, several decades ago when I was on the radio, doing something like this would have been a major operation. We could not have pulled it together in a handful of days, and yeah. we were able to do that. So I, I'm right on board with you. And again, thank you. Thank you for coming in to, to talk about the, the Chronoscape series and, right. and your other point. books. That's yeah, a great point. I can't think of a better way uh, to introduce our audience to your books than having you tell us about them. Um, can we go back to Harry a little bit? And just, I know we're going to focus on Chronoscape, but Harry is the series that I remember. And uh, could, can you tell us a little bit of, just about that series to sort of whet the appetite? Because I know that the the content of the two series are, are night and day. Yeah, um, well, with the Harry one, I was writing short stories, which I was getting um, podcast and, and um, published all over the place um, in an effort to um, advertise Chronoscape. And, I, you know, I was, it was all going quite well. And one day I wrote a story about this these characters Harry Lampeter and Telford Stevenson and how Harry shoots down Telford's um, airship to get some plans for, you know, um, ironclad warships. And uh, I just wrote that one story and it was published uh, in a couple of places. Antipode and SF in Australia took it and Talltale TV podcast it. And then I just wrote the, I, I wrote the, the, a complete book from that one chapter it just sort of seemed to write itself and then the second book which i wrote uh, was actually the prequel which meant that i had to write this book as the first uh, episode as it were and it had to all tie in with everything that i'd said in the book bef you know after the second book so it was really a very odd odd sequence of um writing is really odd and at the moment i've just about finished the the third book which is much easier because i'm just sort of progressing ahead and blowing up the channel tunnel and um various other things um that that's amazing working from the end and going backwards my brain is not wired i i, I can't remember what i ate for dinner last night so. no it's it was a very strange process really but the background to the harry lambda series is that um a scientist has found a bacterium which uh, actually exists in real life which will digest plastic and um, it's found in a Japanese recycling plant and this this bacterium exists but what he does is he improves it dramatically uh, tells everybody that uh, it can only breed in his fermentation vessels and it's got a very short life so it can't sort of escape 
but of course it does escape and it eats all the plastic in the world and returns us to the steam age so that's the background to the harry lampeter series fantastic throwback to steampunk and we know that that nothing can ever ever escape a laboratory setting <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true and i use uh, my main character from chronoscape uh, dr martin riley <clears throat> he's a bit of a sort of uh, line jumper time jumper kind of thing so in this in the in the his history of the steampunk world um he's uh he's the one who um improved the uh, bacterium and and ruined you know the whole world really you know dramatic drop in population and as i said you know return to victorian technology really um but he's 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 also the protagonist in my chronoscope um, book so there um, is a little bit of crossover what would you uh mikey what's your favorite victorian technology what is my favorite victorian technology i don't yeah, even I, know I, the answer I, to that. I got it right off the, i mean yeah, i hear it and i'm like i gotta go zeppelins dirigibles <laughs> yeah i got plenty of them um that my favorite technology for victorian times is uh, the electric telegraph i think that was the most probably the most important invention in human history for sure the most significant i would yeah. say yeah because i mean everything else like what we're doing here today all you know is just a development from that isn't it it is you got anything mike what about a light bulb i i i, I mean i feel like I, a light bulb is pretty important i'm i'm shedding some of my history credibility here but i think that they were mostly gaslight back then mike yeah okay <laughs> well, i saved it, was... it i pulled it out of the fire edison Ed, edison claimed to have invented the light bulb although there are various other people there was a scotsman called swan who says that he invented it first but yeah i think that was i think it was in the victorian period but yeah most most people i mean i know my father um his they had gas lamps in his in his childhood you know in... i was gonna say for sure they had gas in the georgian at the late georgian yeah but uh no we don't want to get into that let's, let's yeah. talk chronoscape because that's really what we're here although okay. harry lampeter is is an amazing read guys i definitely recommend i'm going to put in the show notes um links to all of roger's works and please 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 give them a click a lot of them are very often on special on amazon so you can pick them up uh very much on the cheap and i encourage you to do it because for not a lot of money you are going to pick up some amazing stories and hours and hours and hours of really thought-provoking entertainment I couldn't but, agree more with you there. I, mean, I would hope, I hope so. <laughs> no um, argument yeah. here. Uh, what what will the price be for Chronoscape on Wednesday? Well, it's a dollar, isn't it? I, all, most of my, I think all of my I books. I was going to say about a buck. Yeah, they're priced at a buck, you know, because, I mean, I know that it's just about impossible to make a lot of money as a writer unless you're tremendously lucky you know like andy weir uh, well not just lucky talented like andy weir you know and he writes the martian he self-publishes it but self uh, as a self-publisher i'm not expecting to make much money so i'd i'd rather get the sales you know that so i i put the books cheap but definitely let, let's take a look at chronoscape and and everybody spend the dollar man i mean uh <laughs> 
throw a dollar Rogers way and read Chronoscape, which is what we're going to talk about now. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the sort of genesis of Chronoscape is very interesting because I had been doing some, I used to be a, um, I would call myself a senior lecturer in computer-aided engineering. You would call me a professor. Uh, of computer-aided engineering and when I retired I started writing stories because I, I have a quite an interesting past. I worked offshore uh, as an engineer, I worked in North Africa, I was arrested by Gaddafi's uh, secret police and put in prison briefly, that's nice. another another story and um, I wrote you know quite a lot of stories and had them published in various magazines and so forth and then I started writing science fiction and I used to sit in the bar of the Angel Hotel in Halesworth quietly discouraging people from talking to me and I just sort of mused the morning away drinking coffee and then one day I'm sitting there and it's cold outside and a guy pushes his way through the front door walks straight over to my table plonks a box of books on it and says my name is Martin Riley. I invented temporal messaging. You might like to write my story. And uh, it, what he'd left me was his diary and notes and so forth from the, how he'd invented temporal messaging and uh, wanted me to write a book about it because he wasn't famous. He wanted to be famous. And um, you're thinking to yourself, why would Roger take any notice of this guy? Uh, why would he, I think that he'd actually invented temporal messaging? And the answer is because he looked exactly like I did 20 years before. He was a line jumper. Well, that's what he said, that he jumped from another timeline where he'd, got, he'd invented temporal messaging and he just wanted to be, he wanted to be famous somewhere, uh, presumably on this timeline. I only spoke to him for an hour before he left. I've never seen him before or since. So uh, the question is, was he a hoaxer or not? I don't know. I wrote a novel out of uh, what he'd got in his diaries and so forth. These diaries, um, any future tech re revelations or just really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've got to read the book. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, I mean, on his timeline, they saved uh, Princess Diana because... Crowds were getting too uh, unhappy outside um, Buckingham Palace and stormed the palace. And so the government decided they weren't going to let that happen. So you've got to understand that the messaging is going two, two weeks back into the past. So um, effectively, the, government, the British government is, re is reading the newspapers from two weeks ahead. That's how the and, it, and it sort of allows the government then to be, uh, I don't want to say preventative, but reactive. Yeah, they're, in... pre they're preventative. And you're thinking, okay, well, that's a paradox, isn't it? Because if somebody sends a message back to say Princess Diana is going to die in a car crash and you stop that from happening, and they couldn't have sent the message back, could they? So it's a... It's the usual time travel paradox coming. I, I was going to say, now, does the paradox come into play where that that possible future would cease to exist once changes are made? Exactly. And what Martin Riley says, uh, you know, and I, you know, all I can do is hold my hands up and say, I just wrote this stuff. It wasn't me. It was Martin Riley that's saying this. He says that he conjectures that timeline branches at that point. 
So there is there are now two branches. There's the original one where the message was sent back and a new one where Princess Diana hasn't died. So you've got two alternate timelines, you know, the multiverse and all that. Right. I, I want some, some timeline branches. I know <laughs> I would certainly do a few things different. Mike, what do you oh. think about all this time travel? Um, I think it's actually possible. I think it's probably happening. And I honestly would be curious of what I would do if I had that power. And it's funny because I don't think that I'd ever go and do anything as prominent as, you know, stop something from happening. I think it would just be like weird science. Just give me the gambling, the scores, and I would just <laughs> profit off that, you know, in perpetuity. I mean, we we do have to admit, first and foremost, we're selfish beings. And Absolutely. Uh, uh, us more than anybody else. I mean, we're pigs. <laughs> I mean, I, according to Martin Riley, the British government runs out of funding. They can't afford to fund the technology that's needed to do this so the americans the cia takes it over and oh you guys are you guys are totally fucked i'm just <laughs> giving you a heads up <laughs> they, uh, the first thing one of the first things they do because as i say the story starts well back you know in in about in the 80s really uh, and the first, one of the things they do is arrest all the pilots of the uh, airliners with the twin towers uh, tragedy and so that never happens and the uh the america the cia is really pissed because they'd really love to tell everybody what they've done but of course they can't because the twin towers are still standing there and they can't admit to the fact that they're tampering with the timeline in in the british and american government's interest can't take credit for it and you know boost their ego no, no, they don't. They, because it's too, it's, you know, because they don't even know if maybe somebody else, maybe the Russians are doing the same thing. You wouldn't know because you just live on a timeline, don't you, which, which um, it may be branching and going off in all sorts of directions, but you're, you only experience one timeline as you go along in life. At, and regardless of what experience you have, even if you were one of those operatives that has knowledge of these other timelines, you don't really have a point of reference other than your own timeline, whether it's the original one or more than likely a branch from one. Oh, Roger, this is deep, man. <laughs> no, it's quite serious, you see. It's quite a serious science fiction book. There's, you know, it's not ray guns and silly, silly stuff. No, I would almost put it into speculative fiction more than science yeah, fiction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it all gets very tricky later on in the book uh, no spoilers here but it becomes apparent that the timeline is being distorted and it's upsetting people who are thousands of years ahead they're kind of horrified to find out that us uh, people almost prehistoric people are buggering about with their timeline and they know that they will disappear like a burst soap bubble if they're not careful and i was i was about to ask you know is there a big bad evil guy or group or is it more of a philosophy that would be your antagonist no there's no no there isn't anything like that it's it's the sort of danger of the, the book's really about the danger of interfering with with the timeline and the fact that you know almost just deciding which whether you're going to put your left sock on first or your right sock on first you know that that the whole of your life is just nothing but 
decisions that are being made and each decision can have a different you know it's like branching if you imagine it's like the branches of a tree that's that's how it's it's going the possibilities are limitless and then psychologically for a character like martin riley you know all of these decisions that we just make in minutia could be i mean that would be a world to carry around with you on your shoulders too so um very very serious serious consequences from actions that you you and i probably would take for granted yeah this is the only one of my books that's kind of like this where i'm sort of saying this isn't actually speculative fiction this is true but then i don't know if it's true or not because martin riley might appear uh, at some point and say yeah fooled you sort of thing i don't know whether he was uh, all i can go on is the the notebooks and so forth that he uh, he left me well, we gotta we gotta hope that martin riley isn't mike because <laughs> <laughs> i mean i was just gonna say like i all i'd be doing again is you know financially benefiting off of my information that i have in advance i don't even think i wouldn't change any timelines except my own it seems like everything well, else would happen just the way it would happen Martin Riley may have done that, but he, he, as I say, he needed funding to actually, you know, in the first place, he's getting this money because he's just betting on the horses and he's making massive amounts of money. But he knows that he has got to invent temporal messaging. Otherwise, he won't get these emails from the future. They will, you know, it, it's got to happen. And he needs funding off the government to do it. And that's where it all kind of goes wrong. Really. I think it's so interesting just creatively, Roger, for for you to create this 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 world where the end is the beginning and the beginning is the end too. Now we've been focusing on on book one, Chronoscape, and it is a three book series, correct, Roger? Well, it's it's a two two book series and then the third book is just a whole load of stories that I wrote originally, as I said, to to advertise the other two books. And they quite a lot of the stories have got the same characters out of Chronoscape and uh, the Muslim Prince in them. And Martin so Riley appears as an old man in several of the stories, you know, so they're linked. Very neat, very neat, and it's it's a it's a cross perspective. I know what we could do is, if it's agreeable to you, Roger, um, get together and talk about the Muslim Prince down the road. Yeah, I'd uh, love we'll, to. Yeah, we'll we'll give our uh, our friends and our listeners a chance to to read Chronoscape. Remember, it's a buck, people. Buy it on Amazon. Chronoscape, Roger Lay, L E Y, just the way we like it. Um, um. It's on. Uh, it's actually available on Audible as well. Uh, voiced by a guy called Craig Bow uh, Bowles, who's a very talented uh, actor. So, and Audible is one of the sponsors of us here on Nerd Cognito. So, if you are not an Audible subscriber, this is a double bonus for you. Go to nerdcognito.com, click on support the show. And find that Audible link. Right now, there is a free, absolutely free, $0 out-of-your-pocket trial that is exclusive for our NerdCognito listeners. Go to support the show at nerdcognito.com, click on the Audible link, and hey, you can enjoy the Audible version of Chronoscape. Mike, what do you have for Roger? 
Well, I, I, I didn't get, like, I know I said that I would probably just use this for my own financial gain. If you had, do you think that there's anything that you would do differently uh, besides just uh, trying to benefit financially if you had something like that, if you had information from the future? You know, honestly, um, like I've never thought about it. I've never put, sort of thought about it, per, you know, on a personal basis, what would I do if I was, I mean, if I was getting, um, if I was getting the emails that uh, told about the horse races, I'd do exactly what Martin Riley did with that, you know, he, <laughs> he engages other people to help him to put bets on in different um, betting shops in different towns and cities, you know, even sort of wears disguises so that you know and then he there's a very famous horse race that happened um some years back where one of our jockeys sort of won eight races in succession at one of the big events and he puts a uh, money on this as a accum an accumulator so that the money from the first bet goes on to the second bet to the third bet and he just makes a, an absolute fortune then he's a, you're a millionaire what do you do next i don't know what would you do, Mike? I would do exactly what you just said, honestly. I would be uh, just letting it ride on on underdog bets that come through. And then what would I do after I had all that money? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would I do then? I don't know. I don't uh, it's know. It's difficult. Probably be happy. They say money can't buy happiness, but I think I'd be a lot happier with it, that's for sure. You'd not be moving to North Carolina. I wouldn't be moving to North Carolina. I wouldn't be working 12, 14-hour days. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, Chronoscape on Amazon, on Audible. Definitely take a look. Definitely give a read. Uh, physicist Martin Riley figuring out where these messages are coming from, how his life is going to improve from them, and how he can achieve his lifelong goals. Well, Roger, I want to thank you for, for popping in with us. We'll definitely be in touch. We'll talk about the Muslim prince down the road. Um, anything that you wanted to talk about with us? I mean, uh, we, we haven't talked about any porn stars. We haven't talked about any board games. We're, we're, we're stretching for this segment. It's been... <laughs> Well, all I can say is if you if you like in the steampunk books, they get a bit naughty. You have uh, ero erotic dancing girls and stuff like that. If, you, if that's what you Victorian, of course, but still, uh, uh, that's, a, that's a lot Elsa. of corset. That is a whole lot of corset. No, Roger, I, I cannot thank you again in all seriousness for joining us again. Uh, this is something that I wanted to do all the way back since the old podcast days. And um, it, it's finally just interesting to hear your vision as you perceive it as the creator. And we have nothing but respect for, for content creators. So ladies and gentlemen, again, Roger Lay, L-E-Y, look him up on Amazon. Thanks, Roger, for stopping by. We will talk down the road. I'm looking forward to it in the new year. Absolutely. It's got to be better than the old year. Uh, no, very nice to have met you, uh, Ryan, and Mike as well. You as well, Roger. Thank you. Yes, definitely the feeling is mutual. All right, what else, man? I think that that's about it for us tonight. Please remember, go to Amazon uh, through the links that we'll have in the show notes and uh, spend the 99 cents and buy Roger's books. Also, if you're doing any of your holiday shopping, Please make sure that you go to nerdcognito.com 
click through on the support the show page. It is uh, a great, great way for you to support the show without spending a buck. Until next week, I am Ryan David. That is just Mike. And we will talk to you next week on Nerd Cognito. All right, right. See you later, man. No!